Welcome to another episode of Stern Chats. This episode is sponsored by Ally Week, which is April 6th through 13th and is meant to promote the practice of allyship. Building relationships, professional or otherwise, is the foundation of understanding and appreciation. We stand in solidarity with our fellow classmates, administrators, in hopes of making our community and world a better place to live and work. That's right, Sherry. We believe that fostering cross-cultural interactions is vital to understanding the experiences of others. We want to raise awareness of the individual and collective injustices that confront far too many in our society. So Sherry, who do we have on this special Ally Week show? We are so excited to have with us Afia Bediako, first-year MBA student at NYU Stern and incoming co-president of the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students. Afia is a powerhouse student hailing from Amherst College and then Goldman Sachs. But what you can't see from her resume is the loyalty, devotion, and allyship that she exhibits in all of her relationships. And that is precisely the story we're going to hear today, Frank. Sherry, I can't wait to hear that story. Me neither. Should we start the show? Let's start the show. All right, cue the music. Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Here with today's program are your hosts, Frank Fericchio and Sherry Holt. Welcome to our guest, Afia Bediaco. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Could you just introduce yourself to a radio audience? Sure. My name is Afia Bediaco. I'm a first year MBA student here at NYU Stern. I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised. I went to Amherst College for undergrad, and then I worked at Goldman Sachs for five years. I'm also the incoming co-president of ABBAS, the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students. We'll have to Google that Goldman Sachs thing and find out what that is. Yeah, never heard of that one. Small nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited. Yeah, we are excited. too. Super excited. That's our favorite kind of person to have is a person that's enthusiastic. And what is your connection to Ally Week? My connection to Ally Week is one of my best friends, Ashley. I'm here today to tell you guys a little bit about our relationship and how it shaped me. I really just want to kind of tell the story to help others understand the importance of being an ally for others. Would you mind telling us the story about Ashley? The story takes place in high school. So as I said before, I'm a native New Yorker. I went to a very progressive, like hippie school aged three through 14. And then I went across town to the Upper East Side of Manhattan over to Marymount, which is an all girls school on 84th Street and Fifth Avenue. So right opposite Central Park and Metropolitan Museum of Art. And so basically the set of gospel. Right, right. So we used to eat lunch on the steps of the Met. (laughs) Just so that we're clear. Wait, so when I think the Met, I think when Harry met Sally. I don't think of that. Oh, goodness. Guys, that's a great movie. You know. Do you think of Hitch? Did you see Hitch with Oh, Wilson I love it? Hitch. Yeah, yeah so when he's like film. running down the steps Aww, and stuff. What a sweet, beautiful yeah. Okay, movie. so you went to school on the set of Hitch, yeah. right? <laughs> Basically, I actually met Will Smith when he was filming Hitch. That's good. He's a handsome fella. Super Did handsome. Did you try to marry him immediately? You know, I just asked for his autograph because, again, it was like, what, 04, 05. My phone could barely take a picture, you know? <laughs> so best I can get was him to sign my notebook. Like, I'll text you on T9. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, do you want to play Snake? Yeah. 
exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so I went to high school, um, and Marymount is a very small school. So there were 45 girls in a class. Um, it was K through 12 institution. And of the 45 girls, um, these are rough numbers, I don't remember exactly, but five were black females, um, two were Asian females, and one was half Latina, half white, and that's Ashley. And Marymount was a very high-stress academic environment. And, you know, at that age, different people react to stress very differently. In my case, like, I didn't do much sleeping. Some people, you know, they might develop nervous habits. And then some, in some cases, and this happened with a few girls in our class, they would get into even more so, like, self-destructive behavior. Something that Ashley and other girls suffer from was bulimia nervosa. Okay, so what is bulimia nervosa for people that don't know about it? Sure. So it's an eating disorder. And just to read the definitions so that the audience has it, it is an emotional disorder involving distortion of body image and an obsessive desire to lose weight in which bouts of extreme overeating are followed by depression and self-induced vomiting, purging, fasting, or overexercising. So this is no joke. Right. Very, very serious stuff. So unfortunately, my friend Ashley suffered from bulimia nervosa um, during her time at in high school. And unfortunately, she had to be hospitalized three times while at Marymount. Did you know she was in the hospital? Yeah, so um, we became friends during our sophomore year of school because we both took Spanish class together. So How's at, your Spanish? It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. So we, we really bonded in Spanish class together, and it was so funny because Ashley was part of that crew of girls who had been there for so many years, and like that was her crew, and my crew was ma- ma- mainly girls who joined later during that time at Marymount. And in her, in her circle, even her larger circle, there were many girls who were engaging this kind of self-destructive behavior. So it kind of fed each other. You know, everyone's kind of, you know, imitating one another, getting into this kind of behavior, things like this. So that was kind of the world that she was living in. And my world was very, very different. You know, we were all new, trying to navigate the space and not really as plugged in as to what was going on over there. And in terms of Ashley being missing, yeah, well, you know, she would communicate with me and say, hey, Afia, like, I have to go. I'm going away tomorrow. Um, And it was very, it was very emotional. It was often very, very abrupt. And the time that she had to go away in December was frightening because she had to leave school immediately. Because of how she was depriving her body of food and nutrients, she was putting herself at major health risk because it can affect your heart and other organs in your body. So Ashley had to leave immediately. It's the kind of thing where at that age, you're spending so much time away from home and out of the house that there's no one really there to kind of regulate you and ensure that you're eating properly. There's no one there to prevent you from vomiting in the bathroom or hurting yourself. You're really on your own, you know, going through this. And I remember very, very vividly, I think it was during our junior year, we always had chapel every Tuesday. And in chapel, our class, all 45 of us would go through a typical chapel service. Um, we read passages from the Bible, talk about it. And then at the end, we had announcements. So our our then school psychologist, I remember her speaking to us in the chapel and letting us know that, you know, unfortunately, Ashley was having some of some eating disorder related issues and was not going to be in school for a while. Let's all try to make an effort to make her feel welcome when she comes back to campus. Now, you mm-hmm. are 16, right? In this yeah. Story? Yeah. You know, so like you've now seen your friend go to the hospital multiple right. times. Right. right. And I can't imagine that you're feeling very happy about all this. Right. Right. I mean, you don't have a lot of experience dealing with emotional 
things at this point. Mm -hmm. Your friend is gone. Right. And how does that make you feel? Right. I think it made me feel as though I had to, like, protect her, at least her and her reputation while she was away. Because I think that it's so easy to to judge, um, especially when it was an issue that many people went through, but not everyone had to get the level of hospitalization that she did. So that was, like, my thing to really help her um, cope with that. And I think in my own personal life, my, my younger brother suffers from autism. So it is a mental health-related issue. He... Um, He's less highly functioning than Ashley is. So I understood that, similar but different, there are some limitations with how one is able to control what one can and cannot do when you do have a mental mental health issue. So when I was actually, um, I think I was 13 years old, my brother, who has autism, was going through puberty. And sometimes when kids with autism go through puberty, the behavior becomes that much more um, violent or unexpected or unpredictable. So he actually had to be hospitalized as well for a period of time in like a psychiatric ward at, at Mount Sinai in, in the city because we couldn't control his behavior. So I know that going away can be very healing, but even being away can be traumatic as well because you're not with your family, with your friends, people whom you love. And, and just to kind of uh, bring that full circle, when it was Ashley's 17th birthday and we did go to visit her at the hospital, it's, have you guys been to, like, a hospital, like, this sure, kind of place yeah. before? You know, it's very, like, it can be very scary. So, like, to get into the part where she was, like, residing and, and getting help, there's, like, no handle on the door. So I have to, like, knock and be let in during visiting hours. You know, I open the door. I see her getting medicine. And then we go sit in, like, a common area. There are people with feeding tubes in. It's a very intense experience. Now, Ashley, I said, very smart girl, had these issues, but she's not only being surrounded with people who also suffer from this. That can be kind of healing and 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 kind of detrimental too, because this is a, this is your only social interaction. So it's it's a double edged sword. But it sounds like that you were uniquely positioned to support her in this moment that maybe other friends or family weren't able to do. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And I think like back to um, back to what it means to be an ally and how, how it's easier for some and more difficult for others, I would say that I saw a bit of not only myself as like a fellow woman of color in Ashley, but also a bit of my brother, someone who has different difficulties as well. And I think that kind of helped me be that much more empathetic to what she was going through and try to be the best friend I possibly could. When Ashley came home after her last um, her last stay in the hospital, which happened to coincide with her 17th birthday, she felt very isolated upon return to campus, um, she, to, to school. She felt as though a lot of the girls were ignoring her and, and, and isolating her and, and not really making her feel welcome. Her main goal was like, I need to graduate. Even though she was home from the hospital, she had to in attend intensive outpatient. And I think that this is when the allyship really began to form. I was there for her while she was away. You know, we didn't text that much. It was back in the day. We talked on the phone, things like this. But things as simple as we were able to eat lunch together. So she knows I don't judge her when she eats. She doesn't judge me when I eat. So we can now eat together. And that's one less meal per day where she's feeling at least a little bit less stressed about having to eat. And because Ashley was in outpatient program and had a therapist and had a nutritionist, you know, going through this healing process 
makes you very emotionally intelligent about how you analyze your own behavior and yourself. So at age 16, 17, we were having some really, really profound conversations about what does it mean to live a healthy lifestyle and what is it in our families or in our environment that kind of cause us to be unhealthy, you know, and in these types of ways. Because I think that her having a, um, a stressful home environment plus a stressful school environment kind of fostered this whole thing to, to happen. I think that's something that you are also hitting on that is really difficult for a lot of teens is talking about the elephant in the room. Right. So I think that one of the main obstacles for people to really become that ally mm-hmm. is, you know, when they when they confront somebody with a really difficult situation, sometimes they think, okay, so I just have to not talk about this one thing that'll make them really uncomfortable, you know, and, the, and then we'll just sort of skirt the subject. Right, right. But you seem to have really attacked it head on mm-hmm. and said, you know, I know this is uncomfortable, but we're going to talk about the fact that you have bulimia or, you right. know, we're, we're not going to ignore it. Right. Is, it, was that a tactic that you used very often? I think, I think that's what it was. And I think that to your point, there's no way to avoid the elephant in the room if it's within your own like nuclear family. So with my brother, I couldn't ignore it. I had to always engage with him and cater to him and, and deal with that. So I think I was kind of used to being in those uncomfortable situations. Recovery is a long road, no matter what kind of like addiction or, or behavior you're you're fighting. So Ashley's main goal was to get to graduation, and she did, which was wonderful. But unfortunately, the previous hospitalizations, the intensive outpatient, were more um, more of a band aid than anything else, and didn't really give her like the life coping skills that she needed. So she gets to college, right? Another, as we all know, very stressful situation. Um, I know when I was at Amherst, there was this big need to talk about dieting, to be in the gym at least once per day. And I think the pressure of all of that got to Ashley. So unfortunately, in her second semester, she had to leave school. She moved back to New York, but then was able to go to Castlewood, which is a rehabilitation center for her eating disorder. And that was really the big game changer for her. She was able to get the healing and the therapy that was going to kind of last her through today to cope with these difficulties of the eating disorder. So how do you be an ally from a distance? Great question, (laughs) right? This is like before FaceTime and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> right? I think from a distance, the the main thing that you can do is really just listen. And I think that's a large part of the battle. So with Ashley, you know, we would literally just talk on the phone as often as we could, text as often as we could. And I think knowing that I wasn't abandoning her and that I was there for her made all the difference in terms of in terms of her recovery from from the angle of do I have people who are on my side and who want to see me succeed? And Ashley did it on her own and for herself, but I know that, like, my friendship and the friendship with her other close friends definitely was something that kind of helped to not only motivate her, but just know that there are people, you know, in her corner who want to see her healthy and living the life that we all know she deserved to live, you know, so. Yeah, it sounds like there are moments of that story, though, where she isn't necessarily... They say friendship's a two-way street, right? Right, right. That she isn't necessarily giving a lot back. You are shouldering a lot of her troubles, and you're trying to soothe her. You know, is there ever a point when there's a two-way street? Absolutely. Like, this, that friendship, like, changed my life. Like, that's my girl. I love her. So I would think that, like, with, with all of this that was going on, like, I learned so much about myself. This whole experience changed me because... 
and it will forever change me because it showed me how the help of at least one person can make all the difference in the life of somebody else. So it's so touching. Her mom got me flowers at our graduation and saying that I was the reason Ashley was graduating from high school. I'm about to cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. So like, I mean, I wasn't, but I was there for her and just having someone there for her daughter meant so much to her. My emotional intelligence, I think, got so much stronger through our relationship because Ashley helped me get the vocabulary and the language to know how to speak about these issues. If I ever had a friend later on who had similar similar difficulties, I now knew or had a sense of what her his or her experience might have been like. And I think that like even being here today, like, you know, my friend, she her struggle was eating disorder, but I now can be more empathetic to people who, um, like Ashley, are are on the outside of certain societal, you know, norms and situations, whether it's someone who is transgender or now there's a lot of Islamophobia. So my Muslim friends who I made in college as well, where it's like you're not part of a group where you might be welcomed with open arms. So what does that feel like and how are you then there? for that other person. Because feeling alone and isolated is one of the worst feelings in the world. So how can you be there for that person? To bring it back to Ally Week, that's the purpose of the week. We have to expose each other to what different demographics are going through and how do we do that? You know, we attend the lunch events, we attend the 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 workshops, you know, that's what really understanding here firsthand what is this individual whom, who is not like me but has this struggle? What's that like? That can be very, very moving because you're hearing firsthand what what the struggles are. And that's something that I think like the world needs a lot more today because we just assume that we know what it's like to be X, but we really have no idea, you know? So what is what does being an ally really mean to you? Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that over the past few days. And I think for me, above all, being an ally is really being just there for somebody else who is in need. And I think most often as it pertains to what's happening in our personal lives and in the larger in the larger globe today it's being there for someone who might be part of a marginalized group for whatever reason so if you're if friend if you have a friend who's black hispanic lgbtq disabled how can you as someone not part of that group or even part of that group really be there for that individual to help him or her get through whatever they're going through what most people probably think about Ally Week is the the part that you, you see in the movies mm-hmm. and you hear about in speeches, which is lifting people up. Mm-hmm. But your story is not about lifting people up, but it's also her teaching you things. Right. It's like right. one plus one equals three. If I were a male ally to Swib, for example, as, as a male, I have a mother. I might have a sibling, you know. So there are women in my life who whom I love and care about. So I think by definition, one is an ally. But people often t- oftentimes struggle with kind of bringing their personal interactions to the larger larger playing field and understanding how can I be an ally for not just this one woman but for women in general and how how does one do that you know I think people feel there are a lot of risks in in being an ally they might fear that they're going to be ostracized for speaking up or speaking out they might feel as though that it's not worth it to do so so it's really kind of undoing that thought process and realize that you know yes you might be ostracized but is it worth it? And the answer is yes, because people on a larger scale are dying, are losing their rights. Like a lot of bad things are happening right now to people who are part of these groups that really need our support. Definitely at CERN, I have felt that. And I would say, you know, I'm I'm going to be one of two co-presidents for ABBAS next year. So that to me was very important because I want to make sure that I can be an ally to first years next year when they come on campus. So, you know, you're in a new academic environment. 
You have to navigate making friends, recruiting, and whatever else happens in business school. So how can I, as someone who's been there, been in that person's shoes, really be there for him or her? And in ways in which second years were there for me during my time. And I think beyond that, even down to recruiting, how can we be an ally for one another? You know, if we're looking to enter an industry that someone's um, someone has worked in, how can we help that person out? Because I think a lot of times, Business school can feel very, um, very transactional, and it's it's really much more than that. And even transactions require emotion and effort. So how can we really help one another wherever possible? Thank you so much for being here today, Afia. I feel like your story is so representative of what Ally Week is all about, about listening, about two-way street relationship. And I hope that everybody gleans as much from this story as we did today. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you yeah, this did afternoon. You have fun? I had an amazing time. That's I love great. you guys. You look so great against that stern chat's thank backdrop. You. Yeah. <laughs> Again, nobody can see it. It's the radio.